Welcome back to the Core EM Podcast. Core content for anyone, anywhere, and just in time. This is the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue EM Residency Program. This week, we're featuring a talk from Fraso Adamakos, Assistant Residency Director at Metropolitan Hospital in New York City. Fraso gave a fantastic talk at the All NYC EM Conference in March, and she's recorded it for us to put up on the podcast. And the lecture that I'm going to be talking to you about was titled, Kids Are Just Little Adults, A Simplified Approach to Pediatric Trauma. The reason I like this lecture is that when you first look at it and you listen to the title, you think, this is completely opposite of everything that I've learned in medical school. But I'm hoping that by the end of this discussion, you'll understand why many of us adult-trained ER doctors follow this mantra, and we do very well with it. So before you all freak out on me and panic at the thought of running a pediatric trauma, just take a breath and hear me out. You've dealt with very difficult airways, no doubt. You've run multiple codes simultaneously, probably with limited resources, and you've always come out on top. You are a resuscitationist. You need to understand that you are the best and most experienced person to be running this. You do this time and time again with adults, and if you just remember a few simple nuances, you can do just well with children. So you get a call on your red phone, and a notification is coming in. The first thing you have to do is prepare. This is the time that you have to take a moment to mentally prepare. Most resuscitationists have a saying that simultaneously gives them confidence, but also calms them down. Scott Weingart's is slow as smooth, smooth as fast. Mine, it's very basic, is, all right, you've got this. And for whatever reason, it empowers me, but it also helps me lower my heart rate so I can focus at the task at hand. Find something ahead of time that does this for you. Role assignment is critical to run any smooth trauma. But in pediatrics, I think there's two extra roles that should be assigned. One is to the Braslow team. I would take your intern and have them assigned to the Braslow team. This way, they can find the color and read off all the doses and equipment sizes as you need it. Another role that should be assigned is someone to take care of the family during the resuscitation. Studies show time and time again that family want to be in the room during a resuscitation, and for the most part, when they're not in the room, they actually regret it. So I would take someone you trust, I think your senior nurse would be very good at this, to have the family in the room, but off to the side so that they're out of the way. All right, patient rolls in, and now you have to do your C, A, B, Cs. And yes, I spelled this correctly. So the reason you have to start with circulation is twofold. Well, first off, you can't intubate without an IV. And if you go ahead and intubate before stabilizing those unstable vital signs, you can actually precipitate an arrest in a very sick patient. The order is 1-2-I-O. Do not waste any more time with peripheral attempts of IV access in a sick child. Now, what about the heart rate? If the kid's crying, that's probably why they're tachycardic. It's from pain or anxiety, right? Absolutely wrong. This is a major pitfall in pediatric trauma. You have to assume the tachycardia is compensated shock until proven otherwise. The reason is, is that once the child is hypotensive, they're actually peri-arrest, like you're going to be doing CPR in two minutes. So do yourself a favor, and whenever the child is tachycardic, err on the side of caution and take it seriously. So you've stabilized their vital signs a bit, and now we can move on to airway. 
And look, I get it. No one wants to put a kid on a ventilator. So a lot of times our instinct is to say, let me see if they perk up after fluids, or let's wait for the pediatric anesthesiologist to come down. Again, this is wrong, and this is a major pitfall with pediatric trauma. Their big heads tolerate rises in ICP a lot better than adults do. So similar to their vital signs, they look good until they crash. Do the right thing by your patient and intubate early. Remember, their sick brains do not tolerate hypoxia. And now I understand when it comes to intubating, we're a little hesitant because there's a lot of different equipments and medications. But in reality, there's not many differences intubating a child than intubating an adult. You have one extra blade to think about. You have your Mac and now a Miller. You have cuff tubes that we're now recommending for everyone. So we don't even have to worry about uncuffed tubes. And you have your Braslo tape to help you with all of your equipment sizes and your medication doses. There's only one extra medication to consider, which is atropine at 0.02 milligrams per kilogram. The AHA is moving against its routine use for intubation, but most people who work in pediatrics still will administer it for kids less than one years old to avoid the vagal-mediated bradycardia. As with anyone, positioning is very important, but especially in kids with their funny anatomy. So make sure their ear is to their sternal notch, their neck is wide open, and their chin is straight so that when you go in with the blade, you can lift up and their anterior airway will come down into view. So I used to be scared of a pediatric airway when I was a resident because in my mind, there's no failed airway approach because you can't crack a kid, right? Well, first of all, if the kid is dying and you crack them, no one's going to fault you. But in fact, we do have a failed airway approach. So what you can do is you can take a large angiocath and attach a 3cc syringe, take the butt off of it, and you can access the cricothyroid membrane and you can actually bag through that little device. If you bag the patient up and you realize that you still can't intubate them, you can, through this attachment, perform a retrograde intubation. Now, I advise that you look this up on YouTube, you watch a couple videos from some of our specialists, so you have an idea of what I'm talking about. But basically, you thread a central line wire through that angiocap up to the mouth, and someone who is standing at the head is going to intubate over that wire. And now you've secured an airway. So by understanding this procedure a little bit and looking at it and reading at it a few times, you actually realize you do have a failed airway approach when it comes to pediatrics. Speaking of airway, what about those pesky C collars? Even when you get one that's supposed to fit a pediatric patient, it doesn't actually fit. So can we get rid of them? Well, the good news is that the current literature suggests that if there is no altered mental status, no neurologic deficit, the child is moving their neck well, and has no neck pain, we can probably take them off. So, we've secured the airway, let's move on to breathing. Bradypnea or tachypnea is a sign that your kid is sicker than they appear. So always, always, always check a manual respiration rate. The chest x-ray is a good screening tool for pediatric injuries. You have to understand that children don't get the aortic injuries that adults do, so rarely does a CT with IV contrast confirm more information than just your basic x-ray. What I suggest is that you discuss with your pediatric surgeon ahead of time what you prefer and what they want to do, but for the most part, knowing this information 
we can avoid the CT of the chest. Kids have tiny rib spaces, very small. So you can imagine that it's sometimes technically difficult to perform an open thoracostomy tube. What you can, if you have a pneumothorax, is you can simply try a pigtail catheter. You can imagine how sliding in through those rib spaces, those tiny rib spaces with the selvager technique, is a lot easier, and it will relieve your pneumothorax for the most part. Moving on, we're now going to discuss the finer details of circulation. I think you've all figured out by now that permissive hypotension is not a thing with children. Do not ever think about this again. Kids only have about 80 mLs per kilo of total blood volume. So once you've infused or transfused 40 mLs per kilo of blood products, you should be initiating your massive transfusion protocol. And you should be replacing your blood products in a one-to-one-to-one fashion. PRBCs, FFPs, and platelets. Don't just focus on giving blood. Now, TXA remains a hot topic. The question is, can we use it in children? The answer is yes. Our best study to date was a large retrospective study done in Afghanistan called the peds Tracks trial, and it showed an association between TXA use and decreased mortality in kids. Even though it's only an association, you have to remember that pediatric surgeons have been routinely using this medication in children for years and have never demonstrated major adverse outcomes. So if your kid is sick and you have TXA, you can consider using it. I hope to God that I never have to do a thoracotomy on a child. But the reality is, is that one day that's probably going to happen to a lot of us out there. If your patient loses vital signs, here are some statistics that you and your surgeons need to know in order to make a decision as to what your next steps are. The best thing is that if you've coordinated this ahead of time at your institution. In blunt trauma, the survival to discharge, not good neurologic outcome, after loss of vitals and a thoracotomy is 0 to 1%. In penetrating trauma, similar to adults, the survival to discharge is around 10%. Now, I don't know about you, but that statistic for blunt trauma is pretty dismal. In penetrating, they have some better outcomes. So this will help you and your surgeons come up with a plan if and when this ever happens to you. Next up, we have our DE. FG, disability, exposure, fast, and glucose. Guys, for disability, it's the same as with adults. If the child has an unstable pelvis, apply a pelvic binder or wrap the pelvis with a sheet. And as you can imagine, GCS is too difficult to perform on the nonverbal infant. So instead, there's actually a much easier tool you can use, which is AVPU. So if your child is awake, they have a minimum GCS of 13, A, 13. If they are responding to voice, their GCS is around a 12, V, 12. If they are only responding to pain, their GCS is an 8, and you should consider intubating, P, 8. And if they're unresponsive, of course, their GCS is a 3. So AVPU, that's pretty simple. I think we can all remember that. We do a terrible job at treating pediatric pain. We're so worried that by giving morphine at 0.1 milligrams per kilogram, we're going to mask an underlying injury. But the literature over the last five years states that this is not true. So please, for the love of God, if your child is in pain, treat appropriately and give them some pain medication. 
So you finish with your disability. Now you have to expose the patient and check every nook and cranny. But don't forget, you have to cover them right back up. Actually, most of the time you should be applying warm blankets or a bear hugger because kids lose a lot of heat through their skin and you don't want to precipitate hypothermia on an already sick child. Recently, the utility of fast in pediatrics has come into question. Now, why is that? Well, it's because the fast is only 80% sensitive at best in children. That is not a number anyone would base a life or death decision on. And as well, kids are tricky. Because of their pliable bones and their stretchy skin, their abdominal exam can be unreliable. They can have minimal abdominal tenderness and no bruising, but be hiding terrible trauma. I would never want to miss massive free fluid on a child. So when in doubt, go for the CT scan. In a sick kid, glucose should be done earlier, although the algorithm is A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Your techs are usually very good at this. The reason I say that is you want to make sure that ultramental status of your child is not from hypoglycemia before you go ahead and intubate them and assume it's a head trauma. In summary, there are a few key concepts you need to know to master the pediatric trauma. Be confident and remember that you are a resuscitationist. You will be the one running this, so stay calm, confident, and focused, and you will do great. Remember to do your CABCs, and don't ever forget glucose. And always maintain a high index of suspicion when it comes to children. They're tricky. They can't talk to you. You can't figure out if they're tachycardic because of pain or anxiety or blood loss. So when in doubt, assume that they are sicker than they appear until you've been proven otherwise. And finally, instead of thinking about how kids are different from adults, realize how, in fact, they're really similar. Follow the mantra, kids are just little adults for your next pediatric trauma, and you will do great. Like I said, a fantastic talk with lots of pearls. Here are some of the big ones that I took. And like Frasso said, these apply to both kids and adults. Number one, while peds, traumas, and severe traumas are uncommon, stay cool and collected. You've run many resuscitations in the past, and resuscitating a kid is no different. You've got this. Number two, when it comes to access, think one, two, IO. Two shots at a peripheral line, and if you don't get it, go to IO. Tachycardia should be assumed to be compensated shock until proven otherwise. Don't write tachycardia off as anxiety. And number four, failed airway approach. Place an 18-gauge catheter into the neck, hopefully through the cricothyroid membrane, and bag through that. If you still have difficulty getting an airway from above, consider a retrograde intubation over a wire. That's all for the CoreEM podcast this week. Come on over and check out the site at coreem.net. We've got a ton of great core content emergency medicine. We'll have a core post up on Wednesday and a journal update up on Thursday. Don't forget to drop a review of the podcast in iTunes, follow us on Facebook, and on Twitter where our handle is at core underscore EM. Thanks, and see you all next week.